Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 76. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One, by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Letters, we get letters. Here are some more recent comments about this podcast. This is from Derek Hubbard about podcast number 73 with Michael Gerber. Great questions. Fascinating answers. Thank you for all your efforts. I've loved the American Bystanders since it left the gate. And the art and writing somehow get better and better all the time. And then a person named Logan commented, probably sarcastically, but I'll take it. Awesome video. It was really good. I want to be friends. Other than that, there is more progress on my Disney book and my Mad book and my four articles for Back Issue. Nothing new has been released since last time, but please support this podcast and also buy my other books. Our guest today is a writer and fan of old cartoons and old movies. He's written a book about the animated appearances of the Marx Brothers and of Peter Lorre. Here he is, Matthew Hahn. Okay, on the show today we have Matthew Hahn. How are you, sir? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, just wanted to find out a little bit about you and your books and uh, what's going on with your life. So <laughs> I guess I usually Great. start off with tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, you have a few other interests, but I know you from a couple of books you wrote about animation. So tell us how you got started with that. Uh, well, um, I became sort of the de facto... Uh, authority on uh, Marx Brothers animation except probably other than Joe Adamson and uh, Robert Bader and uh, so I was I had been thinking about doing something with it making a, a documentary or something and then uh, one day I saw uh, on the Bear Manor website write for us and I clicked on it and it, it said what you had to do and I, I sent uh, Ben Omar, the publisher a uh, my book proposal and he wrote back and he said oh I didn't know they made cartoons and I said oh yes they made. he says I know of like two cartoons and I said oh no they made they made there are a lot there are dozens of cartoons and uh, so I, I 
uh, wrote a little uh, excerpt and uh, sent it to him, and uh, we corresponded a couple of times, and then he sent me a contract, and this was in July, and he said, uh, okay, have, have the book ready by Christmas. <laughs> so uh, I was like, ah! But uh, I, did, I did get it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the second book, uh, I, I really didn't intend for this to become... Uh, a series. Ben Ben now says it's a series, so I guess it's a series. <laughs> but uh, I, I I was looking around for for a, a subject for a second book, and I was I was casting kind of a kind of a wide net, and I kept I kept running across uh, references to Peter Laurie cartoons, and finally I realized there were there were just hundreds and hundreds of them, and I thought well this is this is a story that that has to be told <laughs> and uh, so so I did and uh, and now the uh, the second book is done and uh, it will be released on Ju- in July very cool now I never considered the voice of Peter Laurie uh, <laughs> as, as something that would be used so much but I you know in going through your book I didn't even think about it until after going through it I go oh yeah it's that voice for Ren and Ren and Stimpy it's for Booberry it's for Mr. Big and Rocky and Bullwinkle and Flat Top and Morocco Mole and all these different characters and I go, because I was thinking more along the lines of like what's on the front cover you know, a caricature right. of Peter Laurie, and I go, wow, there are like two cartoons with that? And then this book turns out to be twice as thick as the Marx Brothers book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, the, the the Warner Brothers cartoon, the one that's on the cover is Hollywood Steps Out, and, right. and that really set the template for uh, the visual and oral portrayals of uh, Laurie that were to come. And... Uh, uh, Mel Blanc was the first guy to play uh, Peter Laurie, mm-hmm. and he was he was even in a in sort of a, I, I include a proto Laurie tune in my book, uh, which is uh, Porky's Movie Mystery, where he plays Mr. Moto or Mr. Motto <laughs> in, in this cartoon, and it's he doesn't re- he he just misses imitating Peter Laurie as Porky as a Japanese guy as. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the, the Hollywood steps out was was the uh, the first real uh, caricature and, and it was the one that that really started started the ball rolling and then Paul Free started doing it and, and Stan Freeberg started doing it Dawes Butler started doing it, and and now uh, everybody does it. There's there are some cartoons in my book. I try to uh, I try to catch all of these. And uh, there are some cartoons in the book where there are five, six actors who have played Peter Lorre at one point or other in their careers. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it was the case, but you can correct me. I went through the book, but, you know, I may have missed it. Peter Lorre never, ever voiced an animated cartoon himself. It was always people imitating him. Yeah, there are some people on the Internet who have taken voice tracks from his movies and in at least one case uh, radio show okay. and done and done animations around it but um, he never he never actually voiced any uh, cartoons okay that's what I thought that really that really wasn't wasn't done and he died in 65 and that was that was very rare for somebody of his uh, station to be doing cartoons at that point right um, and then in your research, or maybe you didn't research this, but I'll find out anyway. Um, did uh, Peter Lorre ever comment or say anything about cartoons or people who imitated him in general? Uh, did he well, find that positive, or did he resent it, or what? Uh, he's. I don't. I don't know what his his uh, actual attitude was towards him, but but I. I can sort of extrapolate from what he said that he he was he was flattered, you know, imitation is the sincerest form and mm-hmm. and all that. He said he did say, "I am the most imitated man in nightclubs," <laughs> and uh, and he also said, "All it takes to imitate me is two soft boiled eggs and a bedroom voice." <laughs> um, so uh, I think I think he was. And, and of course, the the, the ball uh, didn't really start rolling on imitations 
until after he died with with the rise of of tv animation and uh, so he didn't get to see you know the hundreds and hundreds of, of cartoons that were were inspired by his voice mm-hmm. why, why do you think that is do you think it's just because he has an easy voice to do for the most part uh, I think it's you know I think the reason you do any any celebrity imitation in cartoons the Marx Brothers you, you have the Marx Brothers on screen that's just it's just shorthand for oh this is zaniness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have you have Ed Wynn in a cartoon. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. You have Peter Laurie in a cartoon, and it's like this is this is evil. It might be uh, <laughs> be evil tinged with comedy uh, because he he uh, he was of course in, in all those genres and, and noir. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I think it's shorthand. I think. Um, I, I say in the book that you know what's what's going to happen. Will will people uh, you know now his his career is is his posthumous career is almost longer than his life. And what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, are people just going to be imitating uh, Rob Paulson? You know, twenty years from now, oh. uh, will will he even will they even know what what they're? I don't I don't know. I think the voice will will live on. Yeah. Well, I even thought that even as a kid when, you know, I didn't know on a lot of Hanna-Barbera shows and uh, Rankin-Bass specials and things like that. Uh, and it was typically people like Paul Fries more than anybody. You know, they, they were they were imitating a celebrity like uh, uh, somebody like Eric Bloor or somebody like that. See, now I know this, but I mean, when I was a kid, I just thought, Oh, it's Inspector Fenwick, and he has that kind of slightly effeminate s- sound to his voice when he talks to George of the Jungle, you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean I that, was, excuse I, me, that was the same the wrong character name, but the same voice. He also did that voice on Dudley Do Right. That's what I was going to say. You know. <laughs> I. Um... You know, I, I, when I was a kid, I did I didn't even know who Peter Laurie was. Yeah. But uh, I would I would go around and you know my I had two big brothers and they try to boss me around and I would I would uh, you know sarcastically go yes master whatever you say master you know and I, I you know of course I had no idea I was doing Peter Laurie years later <laughs> a few years later when I was like fourteen I played Doctor Einstein in. Uh, arsenic all lace at our high school and the director who uh, the director brought in a video she she taped it off of uh, you know Philadelphia TV she had 20 channel 29 or whatever it was um, she taped arsenic all lace that just happened to be playing during our rehearsal period she <laughs> taped it she brought it into rehearsal and the you know the, the VCRs in those days were the size of a of a small truck right and uh, so we we sat there and we watched it and uh, and I, I basically ripped off Peter Laurie <laughs> for my performance. Now, was, was that the first time you saw Peter Laurie Laurie in a that film? Was the first, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the, that was the first time I saw the real Peter Laurie. Okay, and are, I assume from doing a book like this uh, that you're a fan of his work <laughs> in general. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Ever since, well, I mean, you know, like I said, I was a fan before I even knew who he was, and then. Yeah, ever since I, I saw him in uh, in Arsenal Lace, that was uh, you know it was golden from then on. Yeah, I think for me, I think the first film I saw with him in it, it was it was either Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, or yeah, that's a big one for kids. Or Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, <laughs> one of those two. Yeah, yeah because they're all yeah. roughly around the same time, and they used to play him on television or something like that. And so, and I go, that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I knew the voice, you know, and and then I started seeing like those, um, you know, cheapy Vincent Price horror films, like The Raven right. and those types. Where it seems like they had everybody, Boris Karloff, and everybody else in those. Nicholson. Yes. And, but you know, I grew to like him as a as a as an actor, even though you know a lot of these actors, you know. They struggled with their careers and had to do stuff that was kind of below their level, I think. But yeah, yeah, just to keep the 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 bills going. 
Um, yeah. And I think like the last film he did, if I'm correct, is uh, the Patsy with Jerry Lewis. So he was doing, you know, right. straight comedy. You know, at that point, you know, right? You know, but um, what was I going to ask? Um, one of the things I found fascinating, I said earlier, you know, is like, oh yeah, Ren is uh, Peter Lorre. Um, you yeah. pointed out uh, George Harrison on the Beatles cartoons, and I never really thought about that. And now I can't think anything of it. Was that? Did you, how did you discover that, or were you just listening uh, to different cartoons for that voice? Uh, I just saw a reference to that uh, somewhere. I, now I don't remember where, and, oh. and I went and I looked at the cartoons, and it's true. Uh, when when they did the cartoons, they wanted them to. Appeal to an American audience, so they didn't want to have, you know, they didn't want to have John talking like this, you know, yeah. and so they, so they just, so Paul Freeze and uh, the other gentleman whose name Lance something or other, Percival, uh, yeah, his Lance name Percival. is Ga- Percival. Lance Guest. No, it's Lance Percival. <laughs> Lance Percival. Yeah, Lance Guest was the last Starfighter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so they just came up with these voices. Paul Freeze had his uh, Peter Lorre imitation uh, dusted off and ready to go. So I guess he just he just uh, went with it. <laughs> but you know, now that I know that, it's funny. I've watched those Beatles cartoons dozens of times, <laughs> and I never really thought yeah. about it. I just said, "Well, that's not George's voice." And I, I know George in interviews. I think it was on the Beatles anthology. Was saying, you know, it's like, you know, we didn't really like those cartoons you know when they came out but now they're kind of cute i guess you know <laughs> so they kind of grew to like him but yeah. i'm sure you know if he knew his voice was an imitation of peter Lorre, he'd probably be like what <laughs> why <laughs> what did i do because <laughs> it doesn't seem like a correct you know george isn't really a creepy guy you know <laughs> he's yeah. kind of more spiritual or something like that <laughs> you know and, yeah you know and he has he probably has the fewest lines in that cartoon yeah. of the four. I guess they didn't know what to do with it. I know, you know, it was kind of a rush job as with everything with the early Beatles tie-ins yeah. and stuff like that. You know, I know there's a yeah. magazine, a, a sick magazine, kind of like Mad, you know, and it had Jack Davis cover, and they, none of the caricatures looked like the real Beatles. And, you know, people say, well, why, how could he draw so badly? And I said, he might not have had a photo reference. You know, they did these things so fast, you know, that, you know, he probably said, oh, just put a bunch of hair on, you know, some people and we're done, you know. Anyway. Four mop tops. I noticed that there was not as many Looney Tunes in the um, Peter Lorre book as in the Marx Brothers book. I mean... Do you have any reason why or anything? Because, like, Peter Lorre, I think, was actually signed to Warner Brothers as an actor, as a contract player, and, uh, you know, the Marx Brothers weren't, so it's kind of interesting there. Um, any yeah. ideas? Uh, well, um, I, I say in the book that, uh, you know, Warner Brothers like to use the people that they had under contract in their, in their cartoons or a bunch of George Rafts, their... There are a bunch of Bogarts, obviously, and a few Cagneys, a lot of Eddie G. Robinsons, um, but they, they weren't limited to that. And and I guess uh, they had, you know, they had the Laurie character, and then they and they they treasure the Laurie character. They brought him back uh, for uh, the uh, the what is it the uh, the the feature movie that they made with Bugs and Daffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, he was, uh, and, and he does appear in more original Warner Brothers cartoons than people like uh, Marvin Martian and uh, <laughs> um, Michigan J. Frog. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, I don't, and I don't know why they use the Marx Brothers other than, you know, like I said, that's that's a shorthand for zany, you know. Here comes a zany scene. <laughs> you know, I just thought it might be off limits because they're either working for Paramount or for MGM or somebody somebody else, but, you know. No. I, I know, like, in the TV days, you know, they would be kind of like, we can't talk about that, that's on CBS or whatever, you know. It's like, right. <laughs> you know, in the early days of TV, but... I guess not so much yeah. the movies, but um, 
Uh, overall, for either of your books, how, how did you find your sources? I mean, uh, do you have a, a giant collection of cartoons, or did you just put a word out saying, I need to find out every Peter Lorre appearance? <laughs> uh, well, sort of. Um, my, my starting point was uh, The Lost One, uh, the biography of Peter Lorre, and Cheryl Morris did a, an appendix, and the uh, with all of the the posthumous uh, about Peter Lorre's posthumous career, and she included a lot of animation in there, and so so that was my starting point. And then then once I found I don't know you probably found this once you start once you start researching something. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, then just these things start coming to you. For yeah. Some, and I don't think it's a mystic, you know, some kind of mystical BS. I think it's just that uh, you're more you're you're more open to receiving these things. Right. And uh, I did put out a call on on mostly on Facebook on different groups, and uh, people really came through. Um, uh, a guy on uh, Facebook named Mark Roman uh, particularly deserves a shout out here. Uh, he he gave me a lot of titles, <laughs> and uh, just just kept uh, researching it. And you know, and I I didn't find all of them. Uh, I'm still I'm doing some research for a new project, and uh, and it's sort of. <laughs> next door to this one and and I keep finding Peter Laurie Igors oh, no. uh, that I missed uh oh <laughs> <laughs> well, volume two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um I don't know if you saw Jerry Beck on Stu's show Stu's show Stack's show he did actually promote your book a couple weeks ago um, yeah, that was that was very nice, and he did. Uh, he came out with a review yesterday or oh, the okay. day before, and uh, uh, on on cartoon research, and uh, so that was very nice of him. I was very happy about that. And he he was a little uh, incredulous, is like, wow, he's listing every episode of all these shows, you know. But <laughs> you know, I, I guess that makes sense if if that character stars in every episode of something. But you know, it's it's still. Um, yeah. Have you personally watched all these episodes and everything for the purposes of the book, or did you just create synopsises if you couldn't actually? I, I do watched. It? I watched everything uh, that is available. There were a few episodes of uh, some cartoons, like um, uh, oh boy, what's it called? Terrible cartoon. <laughs> the uh, uh, the. That, that are on a, that were never put out on video, and uh, so they well, they never that. ended up on YouTube. Well, I know and, the Beatles uh, weren't, and then you know, like you know, I mentioned Booberry earlier. Was it difficult uh, to get track down all the commercials, or did you just do yeah, a yeah, I'm not sample? sure. I got I got all of them, but yeah. uh, the the general General Foods uh, or General Mills archives. Uh, was was uh, really of not much help. Nope. Um, <laughs> they they don't they don't have it. But, you know, like I have I have nieces who live in in uh, Minnesota, and they probably could have gone there, or I could have I could have gone out there and stayed at their house and and watched all these commercials. But uh, they don't they don't have them. Yeah. Uh, the the Kellogg's archive uh, was uh, I, I sent them a query and. Uh, at first, they were not helpful. I, they, there was a uh, David Pruixma, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a, an animator and, and a, a, a cartoon historian, and he recalled seeing a um, a Rice Krispies commercial with Jay Evil Scientist, mm. and and then I was I was going through Facebook, and and again these things just just come to me and some other lady was like I remember a a, a Kellogg's commercial with Jay, a Rice Krispies commercial with Jay Evil Science and I was like you know two people remembering the same thing it's like unknown to each other that's that's not you know the Mandela <laughs> effect that's that's got to be a thing yeah. and I wrote to uh, General General or I wrote to Kellogg's and and they were like yeah no we're gonna we're gonna take a hard pass on this and I said and I wrote back and I said why do you even have archives if not for ex- 
exactly this reason to answer a friendly uh, request, and and I guess that shamed them into looking, yeah. but uh, they had nothing. And but David, uh, a few uh, months ago, came up with the paint guide for the commercial. The commercial still has not been found. Mm. So it did exist, or uh, I mean, at least it was on the on the boards. And I don't know why he would think he saw this commercial as a little kid if if it was not made. Right. I didn't even know those characters even appeared in animation until you know I was like reading through your book. I wasn't even thinking about it because I think a lot of those aren't on home video either, right? Um, right. I, I was thinking it was only a comic book series, so then I go, oh, I guess they were in you know animation, but you know it's like you know it seemed yeah. very very limited, you know, from what I can remember. But you know, still a lot of Hanna Barbera stuff not out, which kind of is frustrating. So that's why. I <laughs> the Evil Scientist had a book. Uh, the Gruesomes had a book. Yeah. Um, and that was that's, that was actually kind of rare. They were. Uh, uh, exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of odd, but maybe there was flack or something like they couldn't uh, graduate to their own series or something like that. In either case, um, yeah. Well, they were. They you know, eventually uh, the Gruesomes were replaced by the Frankenstones. Right. Right. And uh, they uh, and the Frankenstones had. An Igor character, and but he was not—he was not Peter Laurie based. Mm. I remember the Frankenstones, but I don't remember all the characters on it. I just remember like the the father looking like this generic Frankenstein monster type. Uh, yeah, you know, so it was kind of like more like the monsters, I guess, for lack of a better comparison. Um, yeah. Yeah, Igor might have been been just a one-off, but the Frankenstones appeared in several. Episodes. Now, going back to your um, other book, the the Marx Brothers one, um, was that a situation like with the Peter Laurie book that you uh, were doing a lot of research just for the book, or it sounded like you were already doing it if you're contacting Ben and said, "I have this idea for a book." So, did you have it already researched, being a Marx Brothers fan, or how did that come about? Well, I, I've been a Marx Brothers fan since uh, about age 10. And uh, when I was uh, about in, I think, 1984, I went to an open house at Paul Wazolowski's house. And for people who don't know, Paul Wazolowski was the publisher and editor of the Donia Gazette, a uh, magazine for the Marx Brothers. And uh, um, he was one of the two foremost experts on the Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paul has this this enormous collection of memorabilia. At the time, his entire his entire place was just literally floor to ceiling. He he had stuff on the ceiling because he he had nowhere else to display it. Uh, with Marx Brothers, remember me? And he would have this open house, and Robert Bader uh, every year would come, and he would show a reel of stuff that he uh, discovered mm-hmm. that previous year, and 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 brought some cartoons, and I was like, and it just blew my mind. I had no idea that the Marx Brothers were in cartoons, and I just started uh, finding these, you know, again, you know, being being open to uh to this is something I, I just started seeing them you know i would see the popeyes like, like with harpo or then chico making solo appearances and <laughs> popeye doing groucho and 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 i would just and i would just uh write them down and uh just started to when when uh dvds came out and, and uh, jerry beck has his cartoon research garage sale i was able to uh buy some of these columbias and then i would buy these these dvd sets and i would watch them and and that i discover other marx brothers cartoons uh, hitherto unknown at least to me mm. and so just it just so i had quite a quite a 
quite a lot of research. And uh, then uh, Robert gave me his list. Uh, when I when I got my contract, Robert gave me his list, which was about 80 cartoons, which some of which I had and some of which I didn't. Uh, and then uh, the rest, I just, you know, I, I either found myself or, or I crowdsourced out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you do a book like this without crowdsourcing. I mean, God bless the internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like because I didn't even know. You know, it's like in the case of that book, um, I knew there was a few Marx Brothers appearances, but I didn't think there was that many. <laughs> so you know, so uh, and uh, it is true, at least in one case that I'm thinking of that Groucho did voice his own persona, correct? Right. It was a Rankin-Bass special called The Mad, Mad, Mad Comedians, okay. and uh, they did various uh, sketches. Uh, most of, Some of the comedians were still living, and they, and they recreated their sketches. Uh, some of them were not living, and Paul Fries did most of their voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so, Groucho did a... Uh, a scene from the Marx Brothers first Broadway show I'll say she is mm-hmm. uh, it's called the Napoleon scene and it's it's Napoleon going off to fight in Moscow and, and Chico and Harpo and Zeppo are uh, meanwhile making making love to <laughs> Josephine and, and then Groucho comes back and discovers them and um, I think I think it's great I mean first of all it's the only uh, time that that well, they, well, one of two times that the Marsh Brothers put uh, a scene from "I'll Say She Is" on on screen, and second of all, just just the fact that that uh, it's a cartoon with makes it makes it just indispensable. Right, right. What was but, the um, what, what was the other one you mentioned too? So oh well, they did they did a an adaptation of. Of one of the scenes for uh, a movie called uh, "The House That Chad Was Built," which was a, a Paramount. Uh, it was a Paramount film that came out in 1930 or 31, and it was showcasing the releases of the uh, the, the coming year. Mm-hmm. And the Marx Brothers didn't have a scene for for uh, Monkey Business ready yet, so they just uh, hauled out the old. Uh, Opposite she is seen, mm-hmm. which uh, they come out they, and uh, it's all in rhyme. Mm-hmm. And they go, "My name is Mr. Lee. My name is Sammy Lee. You know, <laughs> do you have a job for me?" And uh, the the first time I saw this was on uh, uh, it was a special on network TV called The Movies, and it was it was over two or three nights. And they it was like I was like, "Oh my god, a Marsh Brothers film I've never heard of." My, my mind was just was just blown. <laughs> now, did uh, Groucho himself ever talk about uh, that cartoon in, in the making of it, or was it just another another job for Groucho? <laughs> I, I was unable to find uh, anything he he wrote or said about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was supposed to do a he was supposed to do the um, the pilot for. The filmation series, yeah, and uh, he uh, stepped down from that, and he he recommended that it uh, be given to that the role be given to Pat Harrington Jr., uh, which is what happened. Um, but I've I've been unable to find anything about you know any anything with with the uh, the rank and bass stuff. We should ask. Um, Oh, Rick, Old, uh, Rick Goldschmidt. Rick, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did have him on the podcast, so I should probably ask him about that. It is a fascinating yeah. special because, yeah, they did try to get as many original voices as they could. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Oh, um, I was I was going to say the the prologue or the epilogue to my book is is a he had never that when he was eighty four or something like that he had never uh, seen. A Marx tune, other than possibly his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, so Disney invited him to 
uh, Dave Smith, uh, who is a Disney historian, invited him to the studio, and they and they screened uh, Mickey's Hollywood premiere and and uh, a few of the other Disney ones, and uh, and he had never he had never seen them before. He, although he has, you can see it in pictures in his house. He had some of the cells that Walt Disney had given <laughs> so he's aware of he'd never yeah. Seen, yeah. seen the cartoons. And then uh, Steve Stoliar told me this. After that, he started, he would show these cartoons. They, they got in the rotation at, at the mansion uh, when he would have, you know, entertain all his showbiz friends. They would, they would always put a couple of these cartoons up. <laughs> So he, he seemed to like the the animation. Well, they had animation on the titles of some of the Marx Brothers films. So I guess they were always fans of animation, to your knowledge. Um, well, uh, Harpo certainly loved cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Groucho, I know, was a big fan of uh, Beanie and Cecil, mm. as was Harpo. Uh, Chico was uh, too busy gambling and, <laughs> so, and losing, and Seppo was too busy gambling and winning. <laughs> any, 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 any gummo sightings or anything? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was hoping there would be a gummo, if only like like it's animated GIF, but I couldn't even find. There, there's one. There's 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 a couple things. Um, there's one cartoon from uh, Pinky and the Brain where uh, this is true. The, the 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 suits at corporate wanted uh, Tom Ruger and then and the guy doing Pinky and the Brain to to add a third wheel to Pinky and the Brain, mm-hmm. and so they did a did an episode goofing on this with <laughs> with and the third wheel was Larry from the Three Stooges in, no. in mouse form mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and Larry's Larry's role in this series is he goes hi I'm Larry you know and, <laughs> and they and, and the uh, Pinky and the Brain say to each other you know what do you want to do tonight Brian <laughs> and Larry <laughs> and the brain says, "What well, we always do, Pinky and Larry, <laughs> trying to Larry. take over the world." <laughs> and and so then at the end, it, so it doesn't work out. And then uh, Larry goes to work with uh, Paul Simon. <laughs> and, uh, and but then at the end, a new guy. Hi, I'm Zippo. <laughs> Of course, then Pinky and the Brain did Pinky Elmira and the Brain, so I guess they couldn't right. let a bad <laughs> idea drop. Lost, <laughs> lost that battle. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was another uh, there's another cartoon, a Garfield cartoon, where uh, John is filling out a uh, a form for computer dating, and uh, you know it's this and that, the other thing. It's his favorite Marsh brother, and he writes down and. He writes down Zeppo, and uh, and I say in the book, wouldn't wouldn't Gummo have been funnier? Yes, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but then nobody knows, you know, unless you're a hardcore fan, you know who Gummo is. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. um, talk about that uh, filmation show. Um, when you were working on the book, uh, did you have access to the special? Now it's available like on YouTube or something. But there was a while there where it was kind of mystery like it didn't really exist or something like that well the, the filmation special I think has been available I think you're thinking of the uh, the pilot yeah the pilot um, yeah yeah that was um, uh, I'm sorry that was uh, yeah that was filmation um, <laughs> yeah that that was rumored to not exist for a while I had uh, I had seen it um, Paul Wazlowski had it on tape, of course. Paul Wazlowski has everything, <laughs> and uh, the uh, and now, of course, and now it's out on DVD. But uh, and then there's also a uh, another March Brothers pilot that was long rumored to not exist, and it's with Frank Ferrante as Groucho. Mm-hmm. And Frank Ferrante, for those who don't know, is the uh, premier. Uh, 
Groucho Marx uh, interpreter, uh, and he uh, that was that was long rumored to not exist. And uh, I I uh, got a copy of that and uh, for Paul too, but uh, then I got I got a, my copy for the book. Mm-hmm. Oop, you're cutting out there a little bit. It's it's uh, it's not available, uh, and it never will be because uh, it's uh, there's kinds of lawsuits uh, respond by that pilot. Were there any cartoons in either book uh, that? You just could not find or see, but you made note of them anyway. Yeah, um, whose zoo in Hollywood was missing? Uh, it has long been missing. It's a Columbia, uh, and it's uh, uh, anthropomorphic animals. And Paul <laughs> Paul Wazlowski, once again, <laughs> he doesn't have. He does not have the movie, but he does have. A, uh, a one sheet from the from the cartoon, oh, wow. and it has the Marx Brothers as monkeys, and uh, it has uh, see no evil chicos, uh, see no evil Groucho, and and speak no evil. And then I put in parentheses, guess who? <laughs> and uh, so that that was one of the few Marx tunes that is uh, that is not uh, all of the, the theatrical uh, Laurie tunes are available including uh, the one that uh, Stan Freeberg Stan Freeberg just done uh, um, had just done a cartoon at Warner's and then he went over to uh, to Columbia and he did cocktail for two and cocktails for two was long missing uh, but that turned up recently and, and somebody restored it mm-hmm. and that's on uh, YouTube mm-hmm. um, the Laurie Tunes there was other than, than some of the commercials uh, there was a there was a series and uh, it's my mind at the moment it's about all these giant oh creepy crawlers mm. that's what it is see what else so well, on that uh, Marx Brothers pilot going back to that the Filmation one um, pa- Pat Harrington did the voice there for Groucho and there's a story there about uh, how he got the job that he was fooling everybody that uh, they thought it really was Groucho um, but uh, he seemed to play that character again for the Vlasic Pickle guy so he got a, a lot of mileage has he been the one that other than Frank <laughs> Ferrante uh, that's probably imitated uh, uh, Groucho more in animation than anybody else. He probably number of times he might have it from just the classic commercials. But uh, Dawes Butler did a number of them. Uh, Dayton Allen did a number of them. That's true. Um, oddly, uh, Mel Blanc only ever did it one time. Uh, apparently he couldn't. He did well. He did Porky doing a bad imitation of Groucho. <laughs> uh, in the uh, there's a there's a cartoon where uh, uh, Elmer Fudd's on You Bet Your Life and and Bugs Bunny is playing uh, Groucho and that part of the cartoon the voice is done by Dawes Butler. I didn't know that. I thought it, I, yeah. I just thought it was Mel. So no. Oh, huh. I'll have to watch that again. So, yeah. <laughs> um, now on that book, uh, are you still finding new appearances of Marx Brothers animation, or is that pretty much tapped out? Um, I found a few. It was funny because uh, I turned in the book, and uh, you know, I was like, I was like, I really think I've gotten them all, 
I I almost said it in the you know like on the cover like every large poster card. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, no, that's that's hubris. That's like asking for it. And uh, and then like you know, a week went by, month went by, I didn't hear anything. Six months went by, I didn't hear anything. And then I then I I found out I missed and this and this broke my heart. I missed a video review from Animaniacs with uh, with Maurice as Groucho. Maurice is the other is the other uh, yeah. guy who's played Groucho a lot. Um, <laughs> Maurice Lamarck. Um, and then I, I found you know it's been a, it's been a trickle, mm-hmm. whereas the Peter Laurie has been just like a steady stream. <laughs> uh, I, I, my book was uh, actually in a bottleneck at the typesetters. And for like six or eight months, and and I found a bunch of two cartoons while I was waiting, and I wasn't I wasn't even looking. They again, they found me, and uh, so so those actually made it into the book. And then that's good. Finally, I I, I uh, turned in the book. I finished the book, and then now I'm finding these uh, these other cartoons. <laughs> it's inevitable that'll happen. <laughs> I yeah, guess I, mean, I guess yeah. you could do an update if you're doing a third volume of something. Uh, uh, <laughs> what can you uh, mention if you're doing another volume on another uh, celebrity for animation? I don't have a a, a contract yet, but yeah, I am doing a, a another uh, book in this series, and uh, I think it'll probably uh, I'll probably be able to get. Uh, I think Ben will probably approve it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I will be able in this book. I will be able to mention a lot of the uh, the, the Peter Lorries that I miss. So. Okay. Um, but you can't mention who you're thinking of doing for the next book. Uh, yeah, I'd, ra- I'd rather. I'll, okay. I'll tell you off. I'll tell you off here. But okay. All right. All right. Because, <laughs> uh, I don't have a contract. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, somebody beat you to it. It's like, well, I write for Van Renner too, so. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, it's like I don't envy you in the slightest. So, you know, it's like when I'm looking at your books, I'm like, wow. You know, it's it's hard enough for me to do. You know, I did total television book and I did a Patty Freeling book, and uh, I pretty much saw probably like ninety five percent of the cartoons because there are. Amazingly, some of them missing in both cases. I think the Patty yeah. Freeling is pretty much close to a hundred percent, but there's some oddball Saturday morning shows that I couldn't see all the episodes, and I said, "Well, I don't need to see all of them." But you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, so if you've been able to see all of them and document all of them, because it's like I can't even think. I'm like thinking about when I'm reading your book, and I'm like. Was there like a Peter Laurie character in like Underdog or something like that? You know, and it's like I don't know because I didn't. I'm not watching it for that. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've heard that, but uh, I I think I could check that out, and I I did not believe him to be based on Peter Laurie. Yeah, but I'm, I don't, I don't, yeah. I mean, if something stands character. out, I'd definitely tell you. But I don't think they've had a character like that in yeah. any of those type of cartoons. But it's like. You know, it's just stranger yeah. things have happened. You know, but um, I mean, nobody can you know can say, oh, this is every cartoon of X, but you know, because nobody's seen every cartoon except Jerry Beck, right? And uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so all you can do is is do just do do your best and uh, just try to get most of them right now. I should know this, but your books don't say anything beyond this. It says you're an award-winning filmmaker and a cartoonist. So, what have you done that I may not that I may know about? <laughs> <laughs> Probably nothing. Uh, I made uh, a bunch of movies. Um, uh, for, um, most of them are uh, political satires, mm-hmm. uh, and this was mostly during the Bush era. And uh, I. I actually uh, won an award for one. I, I um, it was called Duck Soup: The Rest of Your Life, <laughs> and I took uh, footage from Duck Soup, um, and then I intercut it with uh, a cartoon that I that I made with um, Nixon and Rumsfeld, and and the Nixon and Rumsfeld thing was was uh, word for word. 
uh, taken from from real life. Nixon said uh, said to Rumsfeld, um, Rumsfeld was a you know an up and coming young Republican at the, that point. I think he was at uh, OMB or mm-hmm. something, and and so so Nixon calls him in to discuss his career, and he says, I think he says my my opinion is that you would be a cabinet officer. <laughs> and uh, and then I intercut this with uh, Groucho saying, you know, uh, would you like to be Secretary of War? And, uh, <laughs> and then cut back to, to Nixon Russell. And he says, says, except I wouldn't put you in defense. And uh, and then they cut back to, to Groucho and Chico and, and uh, you know, well, I think we should have a standing army. <laughs> and uh, anyway, that, that, won a, that won an award. Uh, at the uh, Fredonia Marksonia Festival and oh. at uh, SUNY Fredonia uh, in New York State. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that. Uh, the cartoons were uh, clip, mostly clip art cartoons. I've done a few cartoons on medium that I've I've drawn mm. uh, poorly, <laughs> and uh, but I've done I've done literally thousands of of clip art cartoons mm. on a couple of different sites. Okay. Most of them are political, but but there's a whole wide range of, of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, because you mentioned it, I assume. Well, I'll just ask. I'll just ask it this way. So, what is your favorite Marx Brothers film? Uh, Horse Feathers. Oh wow! I thought you might say Duck Soup because of <laughs> all the quotations no. from it. But uh. no, I mean Horse Feathers. To me, is, is just pure joy. I mean, Duck Soup. Uh, if you if you stop and think about it, it's it's really dark. I mean, Groucho's <laughs> killing his own men, you know. And uh, I mean, it's and, and really, it, sh- it shouldn't work at all. That it works uh, so well is is marvelous. But uh, you know, I just I just love horse feathers. That was one of my early. Uh, discoveries of the Marx Brothers and 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 it's still my favorite today. That's cool. I think yeah. I I think I have to say Duck Soup but or uh maybe uh Night of the Opera but uh you know it, it waffles depending on my mood on those two. <laughs> but yeah. But I'm one of these weird ones that I can appreciate all the later ones. There's some, some people that go, oh, I can't watch anything room service or later or whatever." You know, and it's like, you know, I like Love Happy. I think it's all right. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I think if you're a Groucho fan, you're you're more disappointed, you know. Yeah. If you're a Harper fan, my definition fan, of a Marx Brothers fan is someone who likes the Marx Brothers but doesn't but hates all of their movies. It's like, well, you know, the coconuts and the animal crackers are too primitive and then and then the, the, the later Paramounts are too wacky, and then Night of the Opera, they're, they're you know they're toned, they're tamed down and toned down. And, you know, they just all they do is is kvetch and, and complain yeah. about their their movies. It's like, well, don't watch them. You know, I mean, I I for one, I for one love Room Service. I mean, I think it's. I love I love Go West, which is just reviled by a lot of people. You know, if any if any other comedy team had made Go West, it would have been it would be considered a classic. And in fact, uh, <laughs> Laurel and Hardy did make it, and it is a class. It is considered a classic. <laughs> And then going over to Peter Laurie, uh, do you have a favorite film there of him? Uh, well, you know, the nostalgic favorite is uh, is Arsenic and Lace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also uh, I also love the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Casablanca. <laughs> Casa, Casablanca. I like. I love that. You know, yeah. he's very. He's only in like the first reel, but. That's uh, true. <laughs> I was just reading something, and they said, "Yeah, he really he, he you can feel his presence throughout the whole picture, even though he's he he's disappeared early on." Right. And is it is there like um this is more for Peter Lorre than maybe Marx Brothers? Is there like a guilty pleasure one that you like <laughs> that's, that's not very good, I, but you say I like it? You know, I I do like the the, the Corman films. God okay. help me. <laughs> 
And, um, yeah, those are entertaining. I mean, the last time I think yeah. I saw one, I forgot what, I always forget the titles for what happens, you know, so I'll just say what happens. It's, it's the one where he gets sealed behind the wall, so it's oh, like, uh, you know, yeah, the, uh, Haunt of Horrors. Telltale Heart. Oh, okay. Is that what that one is? Because I always yeah, get those all mixed yeah. up. Yeah, they're just the Corman films, and they have Vincent Price, and they have uh, Peter Laurie, and some <laughs> have Karloff, and so <laughs> bad, bad adaptations of Poe, <laughs> or basically no adaptation of Poe. <laughs> well, yeah. Just take the title. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I had to write an article once about that, and I that's when I realized it's like wow, other than maybe like the opening line of the the this the, the poem, <laughs> there's yeah. nothing to do with ravens in this one or you know, pits or pendulums. I think there's more pits and pendulums in uh, Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine than in the actual pit and the pendulum. <laughs> But, I think I think some of those movies may have been written by uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. Well, I know he did direct Dementia 13, which was a Corman film. Yeah, and, Targets. Uh, uh, well, Targets was a Bogdanovich film, Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, oh, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah. But it's Dementia 13, that's the right, early Dementia 13. Uh, the early Coppola one, you know, and he yeah. likes to say that that's his first film more than apparently he worked on a kind of cheesy porno film prior to that, but he, he doesn't list <laughs> yeah. that, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, we're we're kind of uh, going off uh, the mark here but uh, uh, so other than you know a proposed third volume in this animation series is, is there any other projects you're working on books or otherwise well I'm, the, uh, I'm working on two books in the series uh, sort of concurrently uh, one is plan, one I plan to put out before the other one um, and then after that uh, I don't really know <laughs> But I mean, that's that's like the next four years of my life. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how long does it take you to do one of these books? It's like, because I don't know how long it took you to do the Marx Brothers one. And it's like it just appeared, well, and I said, "Oh, that's kind of a cool book. I don't have that." You know? <laughs> well, the Marx Brothers book took me thirty years to research, six <laughs> months to write, and then it was uh, it, it was my first book. So so there was quite a bit of. Uh, of editing and uh, then it went to the, the typesetters and um, so that took that took 11 months yeah. that whole thing from the time I turned it in to the time it actually came out so that was that was about 17 months this, the Peter Laurie book took uh, a year to write I had done a tiny amount of research before I I uh, pitched it to Ben um, so basically you know almost done and then uh, <laughs> so that took that took a year to write and then uh, a year over a year uh, to actually bring the book out and then and then we delayed the uh, the release to July to uh, wave it around to the reviewers. Okay, that was that was uh, one thing I was wondering because I mean I was able to secure a copy, but that's because <laughs> I have well I I I work you're, with Ben too, and you know I knew about it, and you know it was, you're an important man. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, this podcast will definitely air before July, so this is good timing. So it's like, uh, because we do uh, record them a little bit in advance, uh, but uh, it'll be definitely up. Let's pretend we're going out live. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the pandemic is over. Yay. Oh, man. Oh. You know, I, was, I was in a crowd today. It was great. It's future, future podcast. I hugged somebody. I hugged a stranger. Actually, I, I, I do have a question about this. This is kind of interesting because they don't really talk about it, and I'm kind of piecing it together. So on the 1918 pandemic, yeah, I um, was saying, did they release films during that time? I thought they did. And so I pulled out the films of Charlie Chaplin, and it dropped to, like, nothing. He put out, like, two films that year and then two films in 1919. So... He must have mm-hmm. stopped doing anything uh, during that time too. But 
And I, I looked up a Buster Keaton book, and yeah, his output dropped significantly too for about two years. But neither oh. book mentioned the flu pandemic at all. And um, now I know Marx Brothers were active during that time. They weren't making films yet, except um, they made that ill-fated missing film Humor Risk, which I think probably... That was like 2023. Yeah, so that postdates the pandemic. But it's, yeah. did, did Groucho or any of the Marx Brothers ever talk about... Of the pandemic and any of their oh yeah interviews? It, was, it was a big it was a big thing uh, to them uh, they were doing the Cinderella Girl mm-hmm. or also known as the Street Cinderella written by Joe Swirling who wrote Guys and Dolls and, uh, and Gone with the Wind and a ton of Hollywood movies um, but they were doing that and I I want to say they were in Michigan um, they were and because of the pandemic. The theater could only sell seat every other seat in every other row. Oh, wow. so, so they're playing to this, to this, you know, what's that like, uh, like a quarter of the house, wow. and so so they're not they're not making any money, right? And they they've got small houses, and 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 people tend to not laugh when they're. Uh, when they're seated apart from each other, if you get people in a big crowd, they'll 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 laugh at, at funny things, uh, but they may not laugh if it, if they're spread out. And so so that show uh, was a big failure for them. Wow, I never knew that. Um, yeah. it's amazing that they continued on. I guess they need trickle needed the money, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I won't yeah. do I won't do the Gilbert Gottfried imitation. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, is that really the case? Is that the, the show must go on and they needed the money and all that stuff is why they would continue to do that, even putting their own lives in jeopardy? Yeah, uh, well, they did. You know, they they were they needed the money. They were they were hungry, young and hungry performers. Yeah, uh, they wanted to get their names out there, and and they probably were forced to by Albie and. Uh, and the other vaudeville theater owners. Yeah. Uh, it depended on, on where you were. I mean, uh, some cities like Baltimore had had almost no uh, restrictions, and then some cities had very, very, uh, uh, very uh, strict restrictions. Well, that sounds like now. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and I. Well, see, I watched a documentary on uh, this on YouTube. Anybody can, and uh, they're saying that that pandemic tended to hit younger people more than this one. Seems to be aging older. You know, I don't know if yeah. that's still the case, but I mean, you know, they're saying people between age twenty and forty, which is roughly where the Marx Brothers were. So I guess they right. weren't worried about it too much. But uh, you didn't also hear about many celebrities dying back then from it, so I don't know. You know, <laughs> maybe they were just yeah, lucky because they kept traveling around, uh, you know, beating the odds or something. You know, because this, yeah. uh, a lot of this uh, documentary also said a lot of the pandemic went overseas because of World War One and stuff like that. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, my grandfather was uh, in the army. This was. Uh, while World War One was on, he didn't. He never got over there, but he was in, uh, I think, Fort Devens in Massachusetts. And uh, he woke up. You know, he was like twenty. He woke up one morning, and the guy in the bunk next to him was dead. Ooh. So he rolls over to tell the guy on the other side, of him, and that guy's dead. Wow. <laughs> my my grandfather st- obviously did not die. Wow, what a story. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> no. Um, um, I wanted to ask you, you know, how people can get in contact with you if they have like some sort of, uh, you know, animation or otherwise sequences of Marx Brothers hidden in a vault or something like that, or Peter Lorre or any of the other people that you're going to do. How would they get in contact with you? Uh, I am uh, on Facebook, uh, Matthew Hahn. Uh, I run a uh, a page for the animated Marsh Brothers and a page for the animated Peter Laurie. Um, 
and I'm also uh, on Twitter both for both books and uh, Instagram for both books uh, so people and you can, they can write the animated March Brothers. I have the animated March Brothers at gmail.com and the animated Peter Laurie at uh, gmail.com. So, a lot of different ways you can reach out and touch me. Okay, very good. <laughs> Except do social distancing. But it maintains six feet of distance, <laughs> yes. at all times. <laughs> and then to order your books, um, I assume it's through Amazon or BearManorMedia.com in both cases? Yeah, um, animated Marsh Brothers is is on a wide variety of platforms, and if you shop around, if you if uh, if you're looking for bargains, you can sometimes find it uh, very cheaply in various permutations, like Kindle and, and uh, the audiobook you know, uh, for really short money. <laughs> um, but uh, you can always yeah, you can always go to Amazon or uh, or uh, Bear Manor. Okay. It's it's bearmannermedia.com, we should mention. Yes. Bearmannermedia.com. Yes. <laughs> and st- tell Ben you, you heard it on the Fun Ideas podcast. <laughs> tell him Groucho sent you. <laughs> thank you for listening, and thank you, Matthew Hahn, for being my special guest. Matthew's new book that he alluded to will be about the animated appearances of the universal monsters, such as Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman. Episode number 77 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors. I'm paying Be glad it isn't yours Now get up Crap Mountain 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 Get up That mountain Don't fall back Don't fall back Don't fall back